Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up and welcome in. It's another episode of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Here for episode 121, it's of course your host, Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing well on the other side of New Year's, um, and uh, which, I, which I had a lot of fun with. I had a good holiday, so uh, glad to, to be back in the saddle here and uh glad to be in 2023 you know one of the one of the good things about this this the snow that we've been having and we'll get into the snow is i haven't had to haven't had to work out at all the last few days yeah. just shoveling <laughs> snow has been more than enough workout for me put in <laughs> i i started counting the time because uh yesterday i went out three separate times and i was like okay i'm just gonna I'm just gonna calculate how much time i've actually been out here with this shovel on this driveway again um and it was about three and a half hours in total yesterday uh, i was outside and that's not including like the half hour the night before i was out shoveling the driveway so and then i had to do it again this morning because lo and behold we got like one or two more inches overnight so it's just oh my my back hurts a little bit my legs are sore i feel like i just ran like a half marathon and Dom, I'm I'm gonna blame you for this because you're you know you were up in Duluth for a little while, and yeah. this is this is not uncommon. And now you're bringing it down to the Twin Cities with unprecedented, I guess not unprecedented snow. We haven't had anything like this in a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw you under the bus here. And if anybody needs somebody to blame, they can throw all of that. <laughs> your way. Sure, if they need if they need someone to target, go ahead. Yeah, I have I have some. Um shovel well i mean I, I i grew up right next to minnesota on on the border in wisconsin so i, I had snow there too but i i uh i have some snow shoveling stories from the <laughs> um of just uh of just some i my last place that i lived in duluth there there was a parking lot that was sort of in, in a bowl the whole thing actually the apartment too was almost in like a little bowl and in, into the ground um mm. off of a uh, main road so to get into it, you had to turn off um, and go downhill. Just, I mean, not not a lawn road or anything, but you just had to turn off and go downhill into this parking bowl area. And um, and the winter, I there was a day that I worked until four 
and then I had to, and then my girlfriend worked until midnight or not until, but she worked the next shift. So she worked at till midnight and, um, I had to go get her and it had been snowing and I hadn't really kept track of it because it mostly started snowing once I got home. Mm-hmm. Turns out it snowed quite a bit. And I had to, <laughs> I had to, and it was late. So there, we, there plows would come and clear up the, the parking lot, but only like at noon. And, yeah. um, so I had to shovel my way out of the bowl, up oh, a gosh. hill, driving my car through snow. And by the time I got to her, I was probably one of the most tired, or one of the most tired times I've ever experienced. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, winter's fun. Winter's great. Yeah. And, great. Uh, <laughs> but I guess that's what... All the fun holidays are in winter, I guess. So I guess that's the trade-off. But yeah, no, snow, snow's not great. I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And the thing about it is, like, we we choose to live here. Nobody's yeah. like <laughs> holding a gun to our head, be like, "Oh, you have to live here." Like, we choose this. We choose this misery every single. And then question why we do it. But I guess I guess. The- the summers are cool so that's the for, for living here um one more one more note and this is a classic classic jeremy thing here we actually have lower but the problem is we so we got it for life bought it for free off a of marketplace so before we use it like we'll have to like get it serviced or like take it to a place mm-hmm. and let them check it out make sure everything's running fine you know whatever um, I, I, I have not done that. <laughs> and we've had this snowblower since like the spring. So I'm talking about choosing to live here. I am choosing the misery of shoveling when I have a snowblower that if I just take it somewhere to get it looked at for like a day or two will be perfectly functional and would take that three and a half hours and cut it down to like 45 minutes and take much less strain off of me. But I'm, I'm choosing this misery. So don't feel don't feel bad for me please if if you were feeling pity for me because i know everybody out there was like oh man poor 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 jeremy gosh i really feel for him if you were feeling that way uh you you don't have to because i i have another option i just choose not to use it um anyways let's get into the show shall we We are presented by sodasoccer.com it is your home for soccer coverage in the north make sure you subscribe rate and review to the podcast if you have not you can also follow us on the socials at soda at Soda SOC. Wow. At Soda SOC. S O T A S O C on Twitter specifically. That's where we are the most active. Um, you can also follow us on Patreon and help support our work if you would like. Patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. That's where you will find 10K stoppage time. Um, there's not enough Minnesota soccer news to really fill a stoppage time segment and a regular podcast. So we're going to get in the mud on stoppage time this week. Okay. We're going to briefly discuss the Burhalter. Reina's scandal, like an episode of the Soprano out here in real life in uh, in the U.S. men's national team camp. So um, we're going to briefly discuss that on this week's episode of Stoppage Time. So make sure that you stick around uh, and uh, support us there uh, to get that piece of content after, of course, you listen here to 10,000 pitches. But we are going to kick things off like we always do with Minnesota United. Now, no real Minnesota United news has broke since last time we recorded last week. But um, I think it is kind of a good time to do a little pulse check here on what the current roster outlook looks like for 2022. 
Um, and uh, conveniently enough, Matthew Doyle at MLSsoccer.com recently did a piece kind of going through every team in the Western Conference, talking about what their current roster situation is, what their depth chart looks like, and what might be next for them as we head into the latter part of the offseason here. Um, and for Minnesota United, I'll just go ahead to Matthew's quote here um, on what he said about Minnesota United. He said, quote, I don't think there's anything big next. Maybe they bring in a new starting center back if they decide Bakayi Debassi isn't going to be good to go by the time the season starts. Remember, they absolutely cratered without the big Frenchman down the stretch last year. And Lord knows they could use an injection of youth in the middle of that back line. No shit. Uh, but that just doesn't seem to be where this club is at right now. I think they're pretty much going to just run it back and hope for better health and some progress from last year's attacking signees. Those signees, of course, being uh, Mender Garcia, Bongi Klangwani, and you can throw Luis Samaria in there as well. Dom, your reaction when you kind of hear this little round from Matthew Doyle and kind of where we sit January 6th, 2023, as people are listening to this with Minnesota United's roster. Yeah, um, I, I think the way Matthew Doyle has put it, it has always been uh, something that was predicted to happen. I think it's probably what we would have liked to not hear was the plan. Um, yeah. But it, there, there are silver linings to the idea that the team is essentially going to try and do last year better. Um, mm -hmm. Those silver linings being, uh, as he noted, or actually, excuse me, as you noted, uh, you know, you have players like Juan Juane, like Mender Garcia, who are clearly talented, did not necessarily get enough time to grow into the league, um, are very young, so in general need time but to grow into the game. Um, mm -hmm. Pieces like that could certainly perform better with a, a, another season on, under their belt, which is what they'll have now. Uh, and so in that sense, you know, you could potentially see a, a more effective attack by having guys like that a little more used to the league, a little more used to the team, a little older, maybe a little more physically mature. Um, so, you know, I, I could certainly see there being some positives there. On the other hand, overall, it felt like there were issues sort of across the pitch from top to bottom with the team that aren't addressed by... Um, bringing in a couple draft picks and then basically hoping everybody just does last season better than they did last season. Uh, so yeah. that to me is a little concerning. Uh, obviously, the Debossi injury was was a big problem at the end, but you know, to be clear, the team had some tough stretches well before he was injured. They were they ended up being most of the time in good spots on the table, but going through tough stretches that set up them having that bad last run and plummeting down the table um so yeah i'm a little concerned at the same time uh you know i mean i guess i shouldn't be that i'm a little surprised but i guess i shouldn't be that surprised obviously this is the same coaching staff as last year at a certain point it makes mm -hmm. sense that they're going to want to stick to the plan they had last year when they brought all these people in um so uh, I, I could certainly understand why people uh, might react badly to to this stance from Matthew Doyle or this prediction from Matthew Doyle. At the same time, I suppose there are a couple players that um, will likely be better this year that could sort of justify this approach. 
Here's my here's my thought on this. I think I I do not think this Minnesota United roster as it stands is a bad roster, and and has absolutely no shot at making the playoffs. I think where they are now, they're probably a fringe playoff team, a team that'll be in the conversation, maybe even have to get a result on a on decision day to give them a chance, sort of type thing. Uh, but. That compared to where this team was two years ago, they seem to be on a much greater upward trajectory than what we're now seeing in, you know, as we head into 2023. Now, again, we could be completely wrong about this. They could sign a big time center back. They could sign a, a midfielder and, and we could be, we could be off to the races and good to go heading into 2023 with a lot of confidence. But if Doyle's prediction is right here and this is where this roster stands, to me, defensively, it's not good enough, especially when you are missing Bukai Dabasi for an unknown portion of the beginning of the season. doesn't sound like it's going to be very long, but as Doyle pointed out, and as we all experienced at the later part of last year, anytime you're missing Dabasi is going to seem, uh, it's going to seem like this team is digging themselves a hole. So, that to me is where I guess the concern lies. It's not necessarily in the attack. Um, you know, you would expect guys like Mender Garcia, Bonnie Longwane, um, you know, to improve. And we saw really good stretchers from Luis Amaria last year. Um, if he chooses to stay, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm. Um, but defensively in that back line and that in that defensive third, I'm just not sure that that where this team stands right now is going to be good enough to compete and actually give themselves a shot. And then and that's, that's to me where the expectations come in. What is going to be your, what should be the expectation for Minnesota United coming into 2023, especially when you consider that upward trajectory that they started on in 2019. To me, by this time, we should be expecting them to be kind of a Western conference final contender at this point. I don't see that with this roster is currently constructed. We've talked at length at nauseum about this own team's barometer for success. We don't really need to get into that now, but I just look at a back line or especially a center back pairing of, a, of an aging Michael Boxall who showed a lot of, who showed his age more last year than he had in prior years. And Brent Coleman, who, has been serviceable in spot starts at times, but I think he showed it the later part of last season if called upon over extended period. You know, he's he's good, but it's not that quality that you need at this level when you're facing the kind of attacks that an LAFC, an LA Galaxy, an SKC can throw at you right. on a week-to-week basis. So with that being said... I still think this team could be and maybe will be competitive if they choose not to make any any new signings, making new splashes as we head into 2023. But they're going to concede more, probably a lot more. And that's going to put so much pressure on guys like Longwani, guys like Amaria, guys like Garcia to raise their game to a level where they are scoring enough goals to counteract the goals they are giving up. And what has been the most consistent problem with this team 
over their entire MLS tenure. I'm now 27-2018, the record goal concession. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that out the window. But what has been kind of that nagging thing? Is their ability to consistently score goals and find consistent goal scorers? Right. Without bringing in new players, I don't understand how that recipe just automatically corrects itself to all of a sudden finding yourself winning 4-3-3-2 type matches. And so that's that's the the vicious circle I find themselves getting them I, I find Minnesota United getting themselves in is okay. We're going to roll with what we got in the defense. It's not necessarily going to be good enough to be putting up clean sheets consistently, so we're going to have to score goals, but then we can't really score goals and it's June and we got to figure out how we're going to get out of this hole. That's I almost find that to be inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, it does feel like they are setting up to your points. This is kind of what you opened up with. It does feel like this is setting up a basically a, a, another another of last year, but where last year obviously ended very very tight, very on the line for Minnesota United, and, and but that didn't that that didn't feel like that was coming until the end of the season. If you had asked, you know, yeah. anybody for the first chunk of the season if that was how it was going, they probably would have guessed no. Uh it feels more like right now, who knows, but right now it feels like this is um going to be a season of that. <laughs> um of of that sort of grind. Um which is not amazing. Uh but, you know, I I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, uh, Matthew Doyle is slightly off, and maybe there are additional decisions made. Um, I know we're going to talk very, you know, briefly after this. We're going to talk about a player or two that that might be returning or whatever, and, and that, that sort of thing could also affect things, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is probably going to be a, a bit of a difficult year for the team. Um, I, I can appreciate, by the way, before we you know move on, because obviously a lot of this is is vaguely negative. I can appreciate that from an organizational standpoint, the team made a lot of moves last season or yep. last off season that at a certain point um, in any league, although certainly in a league like MLS, that is a lot stricter about how moves are made. Um, at a certain point, you kind of have to stick to what you did. You kind of have to stick to your investments. Yep. And uh, I can appreciate that that puts the team in a slightly awkward position because even though some of those players didn't necessarily land well, they don't really have the room to do anything else. Um, so, you know, uh, that being said, I'm sure they there would be room for a move or two. But in terms of a massive rehaul, I don't think that was ever particularly a possibility. So, um, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that that's, that's a part of all this. Um, but yeah, I, I think this probably sets up what's going to be a bit of an up and down uh, season for Minnesota United, probably the most sort of on the line season that that they've had in a couple of years. That is that is a good point. At some point, you have to, and I'm believe me, I've been the guy who's who's preached continuity and consistency with this team and this roster for you know for the entirety of doing this podcast. That if if you just put the same guys on the field, at some point something's going to have to click, um, or you're going to find out whether or not it does. Um, and you got to give yourself the opportunity to find that truly find that out. Um, so I, I do understand the continuity. Man, they need a center back. They need a center back so incredibly bad. 
that I, I think, you know, yes, other parts of the field I can see. Okay, let's roll with what we got. We have significant investment in some of these guys. We have two DP strikers for for Pete's sakes. Like, let's 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 roll with what we got and, and just sink or swim there. But it is almost assuredly sink in the middle part of that back line the way things are currently currently constructed. So that to me is that such a glaring crater on this team that needs to be filled. Um, so that is, I guess the only part of that where I say, you know, yes to continuity, but man, they need an addition there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about for a long time about that potential sort of a DP center back thing and all that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I, I think there's room for investment there. I think there's been room for investment for a long time. Yeah. Um, hopefully we see that. Otherwise we're going to have to see uh a, a, a real turnout from from the veterans that that we already have yep all right so um we talked about we teased kind of talking about you know some returns the main one of course being hassani dotson um i think is the guy this team sorely sorely missed last season after tearing his acl on training very very early in the season uh last year but but as, as always, the burning question with Hassani Dotson. You can't mention Hassani Dotson's name, it seems like, without asking this question. Where does he fit on this team? Where does he fit on this roster as currently constructed? Um, I think, you know, if we just look at the places he has played in the past and has succeeded in the past, there's really two. It's that uh, the central defense midfield and it's that right back. Um, so... If we if we look at okay, he's probably destined for the midfield at this point because you have DJ Taylor and Alan Benitez um, there right back. I mean, do you go do you go Lud Ariaga, Lud Trap, whatever that is, and then have Dotson as one of your your substitutes, and you start Alangwane up front, or does Dotson's return give Minnesota United the flexibility to put Robin Lud back up front? and place Sonny Dotson in that what would be a quote-unquote vacant midfield slot? Or do they go Ariaga Trap, load up front, and Dotson as a backup? There's a lot of different ways they could do this and put these pieces together. What do you think it would be the best use of Hassani Dotson as we head into 2023, Dom? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Minnesota United has, has really two players, assuming that Hassani Dotson's recovery continues to be successful and that he's he's good to go at the start of the season they have two players uh they have a problem of having two players that are very good everyone agrees they're very good and they're very multi-positional but it's not necessarily clear where to put them and those two players are Dotson and Lud, um who you know show at the end of last year that apparently you know he could be a, a very good uh central midfielder for Minnesota United um it's hard for me to say where Dotson should go in the sense that I'm curious what the long-term effects of his injury will be on how he plays. You know, those sorts of things can can adjust how you play for the rest of your career, especially when you're out for as long as he's been out. I am curious to see how 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 that comes into play. I think the good news is that by having Dotson back, you essentially have a new option in of almost every position other than maybe center back. 
um, because, you know, as you mentioned, his main positions are that central midfield pairing and, and then fullback. But in theory, I, I believe the team has even done this. If I think that I think he started at the wing once or twice, um, mm-hmm. you know, he not necessarily didn't necessarily make history there, but, you know, it's an option. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the good part. And then, by the way, same with love, uh, you know, to start basically anyway. Um, as far as where Dotson should be starting, I, if he is the player he was before he got injured, I would think he should be starting in that midfield pairing. Uh, that seemed to be where he was the most natural, the most talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the problem, of course, is that the team has doubled down on Trap. You have Ariaga, you have Rosales, you have Lode, you have a lot, bizarrely, a lot of options for that, for that pairing. I hopefully that is something that is able to be determined um, in the preseason for the first couple games. If, if, if Dodson is not absolutely just blowing it out of the park and making himself the obvious starter for the first couple of proper games, I would think you would probably have to go with the people that you've been playing with. And so I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't start him, but use him as a substitute and see if he can earn a start. Um, so because in post-injury players are just such a roll of the dice sometimes. So, you, you know, I, I don't necessarily want them. And by the way, Minnesota United has learned some tough lessons in regard to some players about uh, rushing returns from long-term injuries. Um, so midfield feels like his long-term position. But that being said, if they feel like they need this guy to be starting at right back a bunch of times, start him at right back. Uh, he can kind yeah. of do whatever you need him to do. Um, that's, that's the benefit. I, I understand for him, that might be a, there might be a frustrating angle to that, but from a team perspective, um, you, you know, start him wherever you need to start him. Cause at the end of the day, he can do any position you need him to do. Yeah. I think the good thing about having all these guys that can play that central midfield is you can almost leave it up to their performance in preseason in terms of who's going to earn those spots, almost just make it like an earn it type scenario right i think that might be the best best way going forward because i look at all the potential pairings and i can't say for sure that one is significantly better than the rest when you look at ariaga trap dots and ariaga dots and trap rosales ariaga you know there's just so many different ways lud you know in there as well there's so many different ways you can you can place these pieces together i think you got to let them figure it out on the field um season in training when they go out to california um what's going to happen so anyways um that's all for our minnesota united talk obviously no news to break but um i thought that piece from matthew doyle was really or that little blurb on minnesota united within a greater western conference piece was really interesting from matthew doyle so thought we should uh, discuss it here on the show next we're going to go lower league a lower league retirement and a team that is uh sort of making some new moves as they ramp up their operations for 2023. Stick around. That is coming up on 10,000 Pitches. All right, we'll get back into the episode in just a minute. But first, of course, want to shout out our friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee, 801 South 9th Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. They're in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, kind of right there between Dinkytown and Northeast. Very convenient to get to no matter where you are in the metro. And once you get there, if you enjoy playing soccer, well, they have pickup going on almost every night of the week. So if you want to be in an indoor, temperature-controlled environment, 
play and pick up. Ninth Street is the place for you. Also, if you're not maybe in soccer, but you love soccer, you want to be in a soccer environment, they have soccer on the TVs all day long when there's soccer on. They have a great coffee shop and bar area where you can enjoy, uh, you know, you can get your you can get your espresso fix. You can enjoy a great coffee. You can enjoy a nice tea if you want. Or if you're feeling like you maybe you want to have a little, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere situation going on. You can enjoy a few of the brews that they have on tap. Beer from Oudapils, Castle Danger, and so many more. So no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your interest is in regards to soccer, Ninth Street has you covered. If you're a work-from-home type, but you have the flexibility, or maybe you can work from a, a coffee shop like Ninth Street, it's a great place to go get some work done, watch some soccer on the TVs, and just be around other people who love soccer. So... If that sounds good to you, check them out. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter or Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or hit them up online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to the guys over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee for supporting this episode of 10,000 Pitches. Let's get back into it. Minnesota Aurora heading in. Into 20, looking to capitalize on a big time debut season in 2022, but they will be doing so without one of their biggest pieces as goalkeeper Sarah Fuller announced her retirement from soccer on Wednesday or Tuesday. I believe the official announcement came on Tuesday. Um, this week with all the snow has just seemed like one big constant day but uh the the team statement says quote today minnesota aurora goalkeeper sarah fuller announced her retirement from playing soccer fuller was the very first player signed by minnesota aurora for the inaugural season and finished the year leading the team to the uslw championship game she played in 13 games allowed only eight goals with a uh, 0.86 save percentage it's very very good um fuller finished second in voting for goalkeeper of the year in uslw and then fuller says quote I'm at a place where I'm excited to start a new chapter in my life. After nearly 20 years on the pitch, I have decided to hang up my cleats. Soccer gave me more than I could have ever asked for. I am grateful for the successes and the failures, the people I have met, and the opportunities the beautiful game has granted me. Thank you to every teammate, coach, and staff member I have worked with over the years, to my friends and family who have supported my dreams, and a special thank you to Aurora FC for the opportunity to stand in net one last time in the best environment I could have ever imagined. It has been an honor to be part of such a monumental team. My hope is to have inspired others and left the game better than I found it. I know my younger self would be proud. Number 32. Um, pretty big news. Um, obviously, Sarah Fuller is is, is nationally known uh, for the, the waves that she made in both college football and college soccer. But she's going to sort of pursue other things outside of soccer. And, um, you know, she allowed Minnesota, I think the coolest part is she allowed Minnesota Aurora, the platform to sort of make that announcement and, and, mm-hmm. and sort of break this news, if you will. And, um, you know, allow herself to say her goodbyes sort of through that Minnesota Aurora press release. I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing for her to sort of thank Aurora like that for uh, giving her that final season on the pitch. Um, Dom, what were your initial reactions when you saw the news that Sarah Fuller was retiring? Yeah, you know, it, it's, well, first of all, you know, just congratulations to her on, on yep. you know, completing this chapter and, and obviously uh, starting an, uh, another one, probably already started another one, but making it official with this. Um, yeah, you know, it, there, there's, there's a lot of great things about this. And of course, there's some sort of uh, bittersweet things about this. Obviously, there's a bittersweet side to knowing that uh, a person who's contributed quite a bit 
to to athletics through her athleticism uh, is is departing that side of of, of life. Uh, that's always a, di a difficult sort of puzzle. Um, and and of course for her, a really special place in the history of all that because she did multiple sports. She provided some, uh, or not provided, but she 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 sort of made some pathways in terms of women being involved in American football and all and, and that sort of thing at a very high level and and uh, obviously also did did the same in soccer so um yeah on that side it's bittersweet to know it's the end but I know a lot of people that have played this sort of level of the game and then decided to move on to, for uh job opportunities and uh I don't know a single one that's regretted it so um I, I'm sure that she is going to be very happy with whatever she's chosen to do next. Um, you know, when, when people like her, when you care about sports, in this case, soccer enough, you leave because you have a good reason to. Um, and people in her position certainly care about the game a lot. But, you know, at a certain point, you got to make sure that the next chapter of your life is a good one. So, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that, that decide, hey, there's this job opportunity. I need to get the next chapter of my life started. I'm going to have to not have, you know, this fun thing this summer. and I'm going to have to focus on that. And, and kudos to her for making that decision. Uh, I, I hope that, that everything moving forward goes well. But it's great that she was able to make um, Minnesota part of the sort of last chapter of that part of her life and, and really helped Minnesota Aurora uh, have such a wonderful first season. Um, you, you know, you, you see how few goals they conceded and, and all that sort of stuff. And it kind of makes her side of the stat sheet look a little quiet in the sense that like not much, it seems like not much was going on, but the fact that she was leading that sort of defensive bulwark um, for Minnesota Aurora is, is so important to the identity they were able to form so quickly in being um, such a, such an effective, well-run team, such a well-scouted team, such a well-performing team, making that championship game, of course, that all of that contributes to what I imagine will be a long history of people being obsessed with Minnesota Aurora. Um, people already are, and they've only played one summer. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just uh, a, a huge thanks, I think, really from the whole state to her for, for contributing to that. And again, just the best of luck to her in uh, whatever that next chapter is in her life. Yeah, she's. You know, I'm sure she's made a lot of connections uh, over the last few years, and uh, I'm sure the possibilities are endless for her on what she wants to do off the pitch. So, um, yeah, huge congrats to her, um, and it's very, very cool that we got to, we got a basically, you know, literally a front row seat to watch her in her final year as a as a soccer player here at uh, here in uh, the Twin Cities. I thought that was that was pretty awesome. So again, congrats to her, and obviously we'll be following her story closely as she continues on and whatever she decides to do moving forward. Um, moving on though, in the lower league soccer scene, Rochester FC, they are heading to USLW league and USL league two in 2023. Um, and of course, when you do so, you have to, uh, you know, fill some, uh, coaching staff positions and front office positions and new things like that you have to make new additions to your, uh, organization, if you will. And they've announced several appointments as they ramp up those operations ahead of their debut season in the USL. Um, Let's see, we got uh, Sunel Krivdich uh, as U12 boys head coach and Josh Donkor as U14 boys head coach. Carl Cornish as U15 girls head coach and Arnav Pokrell as assistant director of media. So obviously when you make a, a splash like this and entering USL, you got to fill out not just that USL part, but 
you got to sort of uh, fill out the rest of your organization in a way that's going to best, I guess, for lack of a better term, feed that USL roster as you move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're doing that. They're sort of building from the ground up. That's very cool to see. Um, you know, make those investments in the in the youth part of what they're doing as well. Because eventually, the thinking is that those players, if coached properly and trained properly, will give you, uh, you know, a competitive edge when they're old enough to join that senior USL team, whenever that is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, a big part of Rochester FC's mission has been that that youth development angle, that local development angle, um, and and so. It, it, it definitely seems like now that they've moved from the UPSL to USL League 2, they're making sure to sort of uh, update all sides of, of the organization because obviously that's a huge leap in terms of the sort of exposure um, and scale of the leagues. So, yeah, you see, and, and of course with the W League as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's great that they're, they're sort of solidifying that youth development path. They've had youth teams before, but it seems like they're going to be making everything a little more fit and proper, making sure um, everything is, is is contributing as much as it can, of course, to the development of the game in the, in the city of Rochester, but also in, in making sure that they have a, a pathway, a development pathway for uh, for their um, adult amateur teams that are surely going to need some reinforcements over the years. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great to see this team, Rochester FC, continue to sort of grow into its place as the as a competing side uh, in the, uh, uh, Rochester soccer scene. Um, and I'm really interested to see how this first season goes for them in both the league two and the W league, uh, because, uh, it'd be kind of one of the first times I feel like in Minnesota that we've seen that scale of a jump from the UPSL to the USL. So, um, yeah, very, very curious to see how things play out for them. Yeah. It's exciting to see more teams sort of enter that, that path to pro systems, more prominent leagues, and will hopefully lead to, you know, continued more competitive local soccer for us to summer. And obviously the hope is that'll benefit those players that are coming through those programs even more as well as they continue in their individual careers. And we got a little slice of that with, uh, with Minneapolis city's success in sending players uh, into major league soccer through the draft this past year. So hopefully things like this can continue to keep that snowball rolling in the right direction. Um, that does it for lower league news, and uh, we will take just a quick, quick break here and come back with top four. Got some MLS news. I'll get on my toffee box. Duluth FC is involved uh, as well, so stick around. Top four is coming up. We will get back into the episode in just a quick minute, but uh, of course, you've heard us talk about Pence Holmes numerous times, not only here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast, but also on the Saloons postgame show during the Minnesota United season as well, and the reason why we are so grateful for Pence Homes support. Is it's so rare to find a local business like Pence Homes who is so committed to helping support the local Minnesota soccer community. And that's what Nate Pence and his team have really shown, um, especially over these last few years. You know, they're sponsoring Minneapolis City Soccer Club. They're sponsoring Minnesota Aurora FC. Um, Nate Pence is huge into supporting Minnesota United as well, among other local soccer organizations and entities. Soda Soccer included and 10,000 pitches included. So, If you want to look at a business that's supporting the local soccer community but can also do a damn good job of helping you buy a new home, sell your current home, or do both at the same time, look no further 
than Nate Pence and the team at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com is the website. Go there right now. If you're in or around Minneapolis and St. Paul and you are kind of in that process of thinking about selling your home or buying a new home or doing both, which is super stressful, um, I highly recommend you go to PenceHomes.com and just check out their reviews. Don't take it from me. Take it from the hundreds and hundreds of people who have done business with Nate Pence and his team. It's probably thousands of people at this point, but the hundreds of reviews that they have over at PenceHomes.com from people who have actually worked with Nate and worked with the team and have had such a great experience. You can have that experience as well. P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. Or if I have sold you here, just email Nate directly. Nate, N-A-T-E, at PenceHomes.com. Huge thanks again to Pence Homes for supporting Soda Soccer and the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Let's get back into the show. All right, welcome back. It's top four time. And uh, Dom and I have each picked kind of two things we want to discuss before the end of the podcast here for a total of four. That's how we get top four. Um, I'll let you go first. All right. Um, well, very, very much, and actually this is a coincidence, but uh, very much in the... Uh, in the... Uh, vibe of the Sarah Fuller news. Um, my first top four is uh, is a little update that I actually saw this morning as we record uh, on Alberto Soroy, who was a, a multi-season Duluth FC goalkeeper um, and uh, also actually helped the team out a bit on the social media side. Um, he, uh, after Duluth FC, he played in the UPSL for a little while. After that, and college, of course, after that, he had returned to Italy and he played for some um, sort of like non-league level um, teams in Italy. And now he has actually announced that he has joined, um, he has become a, the sponsorships coordinator or a sponsorships coordinator for Serie A side Udinese, um, which I believe is how you say that. I'm not actually sure how you say that city name, but uh, which I, if I recall is actually where he's from in Italy. So um, just a big congrats to Alberto. He's a great guy. Uh, was always super, super um, wanting to help the team any way he could back in the day. And so I can only imagine how useful he'll be um, for Udinese. For anyone who has a, a good memory, Alberto Soroy, by the way, is the guy that in, in the span of like a year, won like four shootouts for Duluth. He won an open cup shootout. He won multiple playoff uh, shoot, shootouts. He won the shootout that won Duluth the Midwest Championship. Um, and he actually won like a, the UPSL national title with a shootout, I think, too. Um, so anyways, he's a very talented guy and I'm looking forward to seeing what what, uh, what he does now on this side of the game over in Italy. Yeah, that's very cool. And it just shows that, you know, the the path to, you know, soccer becoming your profession doesn't always have to be on the field. If you have that passion yeah. for the game, you can, you can utilize that and channel that in different ways, whether it's coaching, whether it's training, whether it's refereeing, whether it's, uh, you know, going on the front in, in the front office, whether it's going on the marketing side, there are so many different ways you can utilize that. If kind of your professional soccer is not in your future as a player, you can still be in and around the game. Um, sure. And I think that's really, really cool. Cool and kudos to Alberto, and very excited to see uh, what the future holds for him in that role. Uh, my first top four does have to do with MLS. Um, LAFC continue to sort of be that MLS team with the most quote unquote guys you know, uh, because they uh, they signed probably the most well known free agent aside from Cristiano Ronaldo, 
course. But the most, I guess, MLS realistic free agent um, in this uh, in this window. Uh, and that's center back Aaron Long from the U.S. Men's National Team. He joins in free agency, so he will be on LAFC. And, I mean, L.A. is the city of stars, right? Uh, not just in Hollywood, but it's starting to be that way in sports, too. Uh, large media market seems those teams get to spend a little bit more or have the have the bandwidth to spend a little bit more than some others and it's starting to show that way kind of on the soccer pitch too obviously la galaxy did it way back when with david beck or, or yeah david beckham and they got they were the team to land lane and donovan and uh you had zlatan uh as well and, and lafc is starting to flex their muscles in that market too um, after signing Gareth Bale last year, um, you know, um, among others, they land Aaron Long in free agency this year. Um, so just more prominent guys. I'm sure he's going to sell quite a few jerseys for them as well. And uh, but more importantly, I think he'll be a, a prominent fixture on the pitch and, and continue to give them the opportunity to uh, defend that MLS Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really good signing for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's good that LAFC have now spent money on a center back that they'll actually play. Uh, obviously, the- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> obviously, they put a lot of money out on Tiolini last year. And by the way, I'm sure he had an impact. Obviously, that team ended up doing fantastically. I'm sure he had an impact on the locker room and on the the uh, you know, interacting with the other defenders, all that. But uh, with Aaron Long, you got a guy that probably has a couple more years and there's or not a couple more mm-hmm. years under his belt, but a couple more years in the tank. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing that's impressive about this is, you know, I mean, Aaron Long was being talked about as a guy that was probably going to leave MLS, either yep. for Europe or, or I know there were some rumors about different parts of Latin America at one point. But, you know, there, there was a lot of talk about him, um, I guess, well, with, with all due respect, I think a lot of the wording was sort of like upgrading out of MLS. The fact that they've been able to to convince him to stay and, and put a couple more years in, obviously with a very competitive team, is is a very impressive accomplishment on their part. Uh, and and I I definitely think that they are going to be all the better defensively for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, teams in this league tend to struggle to retain the, the title, but uh, they they certainly continue to put together a very nice uh, reigning champion squad. So it'll be very yeah. interesting to see how he fits in. Um, you know, some, some people here locally, Dom had Aaron long circled as, you know, on the Minnesota United big board as uh, potential guys to bring in, obviously center backs a needed position, but that takes one of those guys off the board. But uh, from what I've, what I've heard and gathered, it seems like the loons are looking more international as they usually do. You know, there's not too many MLS type guys that they brought in. And to be honest, the MLS season guys that they brought in the past haven't exactly performed well for the loons. So I don't know, maybe if they're, you know, looking more international and sort of not looking so much within the league because of that. But uh, yes, uh, Aaron Aaron Long was kind of on everybody's short list of guys. They maybe wanted to see the Loon sign, but obviously he's going out to LA. Sorry, Dom. Sorry to cut you off. Just wanted to. Oh, no, fair enough. That would have been great to have him, but yeah. LAFC. Um, my uh, my second top four is just like a, a quick, uh, uh, not, it's not a shout out. It's not a shout out to anybody, but uh what, a lesson I took from from 2022, uh, and and was emphasized even more by the fact that I spent Jan- the January first hanging out with some uh, old friends for the day, was uh, that you know it's very important to make sure that you you keep in touch with with the people you want to keep in touch with, and and yeah. make sure you use the most of 
of of your time to do so. So I, I wanted to my I don't, I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions, but uh, my uh, my New Year's resolution in quotes for for the sake of the show uh, is um, is to you know everybody should make sure to uh, to not wait for people that you want to talk to. Don't wait for them to talk to you. If you wanna, if you wanna keep in touch with somebody, if you wanna reach out to somebody, you do it. Um, but it'll mean more if if you if you follow through with your own uh, ne- desire to do that anyway. So um, that that's definitely something I learned in 2022. Something I want to take into next year, and I certainly suggest that everybody else do that too. Fantastic! I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, my final thing to end on, we, we should have had you go second down because that is a very positive <laughs> thing to end on. And now I'm going second and I'm going to bring the mood completely down because it's toffee box time. We are back. And I think, I think it is time to burn it all down. I, I, I'm done. I, I can't watch anymore, Dom. I can't, I didn't even <laughs> watch the Brighton game. I didn't even watch the Brighton game. Uh, I watched a little bit of Man City. But I didn't even watch it. And that was more because we had the kids at home and I had other things going on and it's winter break and there's a million different right. things to do. So, uh, But I just kept getting the foot mom notifications. Bright and goal. Bright and goal. Bright and goal. Bright and goal. And then, you know, you do get a Damari Gray penalty and stoppage to, uh, you know, not be completely shut out to avoid the clean sheet. But, you know, this team, they'll have a really positive result like the 1-1 draw against Man City, and then they'll bookend those with losses, significant losses to both Wolves and a thrashing at the hands of Brighton. I believe both were at home, by the way. So, I mean, look, they're one point clear of relegation right now. I think that's very much in play, very much in the conversation once again. I know we had both expressed some positivity in the past that they would stay up, and I thought they were showing signs, but man, um, they are really falling off. Other teams are spending. They're they're not. I mean, not just this year, but in previous years, it feels like they've been very unwilling to spend and, and actually bring in guys who are going to be now-type contributors. The only time they did that was uh, a few years ago and you saw how successful they were with that um but in other years they are not very willing to spend and you see what happens you just go further and further and further and then somehow even without the spending you financially strap yourself to the point where you cannot spend so it's just it's a comedy of errors at all levels um i'm not going to completely um, alleviate any responsibility from Frank Lampard's shoulders. Um, I do think he is sort of part of this, but at the same time, I'm there's not enough for me to say that he for sure needs to get sacked at this point. But I do think he is probably going to be the sacrificial lamb if this continues to go south for Everton but knowing Everton they'll go on a run where they'll probably beat Manchester United this weekend and then everybody will be uh, high on them again but uh, it's just it's not it's not good right now I'm ready for them to burn it all down and and start from square one but unfortunately the way promotion relegation goes burning it all down probably means going down to the championship and coming back up after going down from the championship is also very very hard so it's it's the the whole the whole thing just 
it seems like Everton is just stuck. And I'm not sure how they get unstuck aside from everybody on their board quitting and we get new people in there to run this team. That's mm. sort of where I'm at. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. As you alluded to, Everton come uh, come off as the sort of team, particularly because a lot of things we hear these days about like the organizational level of the of the team, and to a certain degree, the, the way their roster is built out. They seem like the kind of team that if they went down, they would stay down for several years, only or, or a couple years at least, only because the teams that rubber band a lot between the Premier League and the Championship do so because they're built to do it, like Norwich. Norwich City is built to operate like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't seem like Everton is. So in that sense, I feel like it's very important that they try to remain to remain in the Premier League. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think it would be like Sunderland level bad, but I do think that they'd have a really rough time in those first couple of years down because I think they'd have to release a lot of players. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I have to admit, now that Everton has officially um, uh, terminated the contract of uh, uh, Solomon Rondon, I, I, I don't have any particular sympathies. <laughs> for the team. Um, I, I didn't want them to go down before because I didn't want him to go down. But now that he's now with the team, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see the the relegation race. Obviously, pretty early still, but the relegation race this season is wild. You have tons of teams packed, you know, within like a five six point range. Um, some of the big team, teams that have been in the Premier League for quite a while, like Everton, West Ham, but then you got some newly promoted teams. You got your Nottingham Forest and your Bournemouth, kind of up and down. It's, it's a crazy year. I think the one team that seems pretty doomed at this point is Southampton. Um, other than yes. them, other than them, though, it does feel very much up in the air. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, I definitely think Everton still have an interesting roster, but definitely not finding ways to translate that into results right now, which is a huge problem. So uh, for for your sake, hopefully they <laughs> figure something out, but otherwise it'll be a very notable situation if they were to end up being relegated. And this is with Corey back. This is with Calvert Lewin back. Yeah. This is well, yeah, it's just, uh, you still got no, Gordon, I'm, or no? Did you sell Gordon? No, Gordon's still there. No, he's still, he's still there. there. Okay. So, but yeah, here we are. Okay, that's how we're going to end the podcast. Sorry to end on such a sour note, or if you're a Liverpool fan, uh, a high note. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Um, take us over to patreon.com slash soda soccer for 10k stoppage time where Dom and I are going to discuss the drama playing out in the U.S. men's national team camp between Greg Berhalter and the Reynas. Um, so we're going to discuss that, kind of give our thoughts on the situation as it's kind of an early going type of uh, investigation going on. And obviously Greg Berhalter's future is a little bit up in the air. I mean, it was up in the air before, but obviously this doesn't help obviously help that situation. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that or just hear more about that situation, you can head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer for 10 K stoppage time. And if you don't, that's okay. Cause Dom and I will be back next week for another episode of 10,000. Thank you guys so much. See you later.